walk through the garden You better watch your back Well, I beg your pardon Walk the street in narrow track If you walk with Jesus He'll save your soul You gotta keep the devil Welcome to the Pinstripe Valley Podcast. I'm Andrew Mertz here with uh, Tanya. How are you doing, Tanya? Doing pretty well. Good, good. Uh, we have a special guest on this week. We have Mark Brown, and a.k.a. Eat More SK from Camden Chat. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing good, Andrew. I don't know if I count as a special guest, but I am certainly a guest, and thank you for having me on. Sure. Well, you are, of course a special guest. You have been a special guest before. Uh, I was actually looking up, uh, it was about three years and two days ago that we had you on the uh, Pinstripe Valley podcast in episode 21. We were talking about the 2013 Yankees and Orioles, which were... I remember it like it was just yesterday. Yes. <laughs> diddly, diddly, diddly. I bet, yes. I bet we were talking about Scott Feldman, and I, at that time, 2013, Mark Brown did not know that Jake Arrieta was going to go on to win the uh, the NL Cy Young Award after being traded to the Cubs. So he might have been a happier guy than I am right now, to be very honest with you. <laughs> and that's that's justified. I, I did I did I did listen to some of it, and you were pretty happy that Pedro Strope was gone. So there was. I, I don't miss him. Yeah. I know he's been okay over there. I don't miss him as much though. And uh, Freddie Garcia came up. Oh God. And Corey Patterson. Maybe, maybe he wasn't happier. I take yeah. that back. <laughs> And Corey Patterson was playing for AAA Scranton for the Yankees organization. So somehow that was a thing. But I feel like it was kind of a similar situation in that these two teams are both like kind of in this AL playoff picture, not really in front, but still in the mix right now. And it's but they're in that kind of like in-between state where you are not really sure. Is, is Do you think that's correct to say about the Orioles? Well, right now, the Orioles are in a playoff spot. I don't think they will be at the end of this weekend, but it's theirs to lose at the moment. Yeah, that's right. They are The Orioles are tied with the Tigers for that second wildcard spot. And uh, Although I think it would be funny if like the season was over like today and then there had to be like a, a playoff for the playoff spot. For that one game playoff, that'd be yeah. What is the cool baseball person Twitter likes to talk about team entropy? So yes. I don't know if we're gonna start <laughs> hearing about that. Jay is Jay Jaff. How you say his name? I probably would say his name wrong. I only ever read Jaffy. it on Twitter. But Jaffy. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah I, he likes team entropy. We might be lining up for a good uh, a good team entropy month here. It is sure looking like that because it's that this is one thing that we're gonna talk about on the show. It's a bit of a hot mess because you know you got. Right now, you got Boston in the first wildcard spot. They're two games ahead of the Orioles and the Tigers, who are tied. Then there's Houston, a game behind. Then there's the Yankees, two and a half games behind. Then Kansas City, three. Seattle, four. So, well, I do feel like Seattle's kind of like plummeting like an anchor right now. So they might not be in this picture for much longer. But all these teams could very well stick around and make September extremely interesting. <laughs> so... Six teams within four games uh, is for one spot is really it, it feels like a lot. I don't know. I t- to be honest with you, of course, the second wild card is new to begin with. But also in the scope of my life, the Orioles being good is also new. So I, I still <laughs> yeah. even four years on from the uh, 2012 when they were first good. I still haven't really uh, absorbed how to be a fan of a good baseball team yet, to be honest with you. 
I mean, I can understand that. It was a long time in the rough for Orioles fans there. I, I don't want your pity, Yankees fan. <laughs> I do not want it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I guess the Yankees have been kind of crappy the last few years, though. But that doesn't really like make it up for all that. I understand. <laughs> Although in the time since 2013, you did have 2014, which is pretty good, right? I did like 2014 also. That's true. Up until middle of October, but... <sighs> Yeah, I'm just being like. <laughs> you just deflated him. <laughs> there is, no, I'm just like the worst host in the world right now. Just like, hey, right. I mean, if you want this podcast to be a whole a whole hour of me complaining about the Royals, we can make that happen. <laughs> but I have a feeling you had other things in mind. Well, I mean, it's not like we are particularly fond of the Royals either. Even though they did just take the Yankees did just take two out of three from the Royals. I do have, I do have uh, not great feelings about the Royals from the past few years. They've been. It's kind of annoying. I don't know. Jordana Ventura and all that. Also, at least on the internet, like Royals fans are the most insufferable fans that I have encountered, which I really did not expect until it happened. And it's just they're they're really second to none. I don't know if you experienced that on uh, on your blog also, but it's at least on ours. It's just it's like Royals fans are the worst. They're like the team equivalent of please like my sport. Really? Like, yeah, like they're like, why don't people like us? And it's like, who cares? <laughs> why is that a requirement for you? I the, can't sleep until everyone likes my team. There was a period a couple of years ago when, like, we kept getting Tigers trolls showing up on our site, too. That was really annoying. I think that's kind of died yeah. down a little bit since the Tigers were kind of crappy last year and then this year only vaguely in it, but. They're back, man. They're in that uh, tied for that second wild card spot right now. I'm. Uh, I thought they were out of there, and then they've. What does it look like? They've gone eight and two over their last ten games. So they've made up three games on the Orioles just in that time. So that's uh, good for them. Not so good for me. Yeah, and another thing that was rude about the Royals is that they seemed like they were they were even more out of it than the Yankees were at the trade deadline. Like they were several games under 500, and then they won like ten in a row, something like that. It's pretty gross. Yeah, what is this year's thing? The Rally Mantis or whatever? I'm not That's the like Royals. Praying Mantis. It's, have you seen that thing? It's weird, yeah. It's huge. I <laughs> saw that there was like a person in a Mantis mask at the game the other day for them. Yeah, that uh, was unsettling. Don't need to see that at night. <laughs> that's a pretty weird one to uh, be into. They showed one of the players in the dugout and they had the like box that they keep the Mantis in. And he kissed the box. <laughs> That's pretty weird. Disturbing. That is pretty weird. Baseball players are weird. I think. Those dudes were 51 and 58 on August the 5th. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's reasonable. And now they are only three games back in the wild card. And I think they were a little bit closer before that Yankees series. And... They very well could have won the last two games of that series, too, because there was some extra inning weirdness and a lot of Yankees wrist fail going on. And they did not, fortunately. So let me tell you something else about the Royals. They have like the most cupcake schedule of all the uh, all of these wildcard contenders. So I'm 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 like anxiously eyeing their last month of the season where they get to play teams like the Twins and the White Sox and even the Athletics for four games. Oh, God. Whereas, you know, of course, the Yankees and Orioles and even Red Sox and Blue Jays will all be kind of bruising one another for the whole last month of the season. Yep, pretty much. I think the Yankees have, like, 
the, I think the Yankees have like a, a like one Rays series or two, and that's like the only light series that they have for the rest of the year. And even still, the Rays swept the Yankees at the end of July. So. <laughs> yeah, the Orioles have one one left against the Diamondbacks in there. Okay. Uh, and then and then the Rays, and that's like their only. So I think they have um, I think uh, eight of their last. 28 are against kind of cakewalk teams and the rest is all they all use something like that maybe 10 but it's not it's not many at all whereas the royals it's like the exact opposite it's it's only like 12 games against winners or something which is just stupid yeah the yankees have an interleague series against the dodgers <laughs> who like they've, they've, they've been kind of up and down this year but they're still like leading the west and they might very well have kershaw back by then so yay but I kind of want to get back to just the Orioles in general. This year has been a little bit surprising in that they were they're actually in this playoff picture because it seemed like before the season, everyone was saying that they'd be in last place. Did you kind of get that sense too, or did you think that they would, people were underrating them a little bit? Um, no, I think that well, people saying they were definitely going to be in last place. I think we're maybe giving them too little credit, but I think anybody that expected good things much more than like last year they were 81 and 81 right so i i personally felt like maybe they would be a little bit better than last year uh before the season started at best and you know uh then of course by june they were like five games up at one point definitely overachieving and like an idiot i got my hopes up starting at that point and they've uh they've since come back to earth mm. i think they're probably getting closer to what might have been a reasonable expectation for them, but suddenly it feels disappointing after, you know, they were in first place or near first place for the pretty much the entire first uh, four months of the season there. I feel like Tanya would agree that that's kind of what the Yankees went through last year a little bit. Well, well, just for the record, I didn't think the Orioles would be in last place. So that's true. Go Tanya. on the record and say that. Um, Tanya had the Orioles in third. So. Yeah. Oh, that's see, that's good. See, at, at least on Camden chat, like our favorite whipping boy is Keith Law on ESPN because some, sometimes he just mm-hmm. says things that people don't like about the Orioles. And of course, that spawns the whole oh, Keith Law hates the Orioles, which I don't think that Keith Law hates the Orioles, but uh, I do think that Keith Law has a ingrained way of looking at baseball that occasionally causes his. Uh, more prickly side yeah i can I, his, I, I agree with that yeah his occasionally causes his opinions to be wrong about the orioles and people delight in uh reminding him when he's wrong because of his various um personality quirks that he shows to the public yes were you saying something tanya oh um i was just gonna say beyond that that um i feel like the yankees are also kind of correcting themselves a bit in that like you know, I don't think that they were a, you know, last place next to last place in the division type team, even though they certainly ended up there because of their first half. Um, and I think that they are sort of getting closer to what was reasonable to expect out of them. Um, but the whole, like, middling nature of it all is still pretty frustrating Mm -hmm. it is a little bit better than earlier in the season when you know there was the 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 tanya bondurant speed principle 
where yes. they think they weren't allowed to get more than like two games over or two games under 500, something like that. Pop quiz, hot shot. Yep. <laughs> They're definitely more watchable now, which is yes. Something. Well, the Orioles are going the opposite direction as far as I'm concerned with being watchable. Although they did surprise me. Although they lost two out of the three games they just played against the Blue Jays, but there were three straight. Uh, Quality starts from Wade Miley, Ubaldo Jimenez, and Giovanni Gallardo, which that's a jackpot. Honest, honestly, was kind of like a miracle. And then again, of course, they lost two out of those three games despite that, which is actually kind of tragic. But maybe it gives me some hope for the starting pitchers over the last month. Which, by the way, for anyone out there who doesn't know, the Orioles, thanks to those three straight quality starts, just now got their starting rotation ERA collectively for the season under five. Whew. Nice. Sitting at a 4.93. And they doubted the Gallardo signing. <laughs> I will say that I'm, I'm a little surprised that Gallardo has been this bad. But maybe I was a bit too bullish on him going to the season. <laughs> I think, well, the frustrating thing about him was all the kind of under-the-surface indicators were there to anyone that actually was paying attention to them. Which, of course, if the Orioles were going to give up the number 14 pick in the draft to sign him, they probably should have, uh, might have been 13, whatever, but... They, they probably should have been more aware of the declining strikeout rate and declining velocity over the last several seasons, which really kind of um, made it seem like he was maybe a little bit lucky last year. Not to mention much of his career numbers have been compiled in the National League. So right. you got you to gotta factor that in as well. Although he had a 3.42 ERA for the Rangers last year, which is decent. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of why but... I thought he'd be okay. Despite like the, the decline in the rates, but that has not been the case. I think maybe Camden Yards just isn't a great place for him to fish. <laughs> but well, yeah, I think his shoulder not. wasn't totally healthy, which is why, of course, the dreaded Orioles physical uh, reared its ugly head when he was in the process of signing. Right. Because uh, they originally signed him to three years guaranteed, and then there was the physical, and all of the all of the media lined up to say, "Oh, Peter Angelos, he's a." Litigator by trade, he's not going to get a bad deal. But then they signed him to two years with a third-year option, and then his shoulder was bad within like a month that he had to go on the DL, which he'd never been on the DL in his career before, by the way. So uh, Good timing. Yeah, but anyway, he's bad, so I, I don't like to see him. But maybe if he can be better. I do think he can be better than he has been, but yeah, he's been bad. Well, Sunday's pitching matchup, I think, in particular, is going to be interesting because it's Michael Pineda against Wade Miley in Camden Yards on probably a hot Sunday afternoon. And that could lead to a lot of dingers, it seems like. I don't know. It might not be hot after the uh, whatever weather system rolls through. I really don't know how that's going to affect this weekend's uh, series. That's true, yeah. Might get a doubleheader on Sunday if it uh, rains out on Saturday night or something. Oh, man, that'd be... That'd be an adventure. Doubleheaders are always kind of uneasy. I guess the fact that it's September will make it a little bit more palatable since the rosters will be expanded for a little bit for that. So maybe. Yeah, although honestly, you might not feel too bad about Michael Pineda because the Orioles since the All-Star break, their offense has really not been so good uh, at all. I think they had like a 800 OPS as a team before the All-Star break, and it's only 711 after the All-Star break. Excuse me, 709 OPS as a team after the All-Star break. And that has included some absolute stink fests against just nobody pitchers. Like in Oakland, they lost 
three out of four games, and they the, the games they lost, they lost three to two, two to one, and one to nothing, getting beaten by the likes of Zach Neal, who I had never heard of before and will probably never hear of again, and also Ross Detweiler. Yikes. So, I mean, that was just like, like, what are they doing, man? It's just horrible. <laughs> I, at the same time, I do think you underrate Michael Pineda's ability to, to disappoint. <laughs> I might, I might. I, I'm not continually exposed to him, so you're, uh, you're certainly more familiar with him than me. What is that life like? <laughs> well, try, there's plenty of Orioles pitchers that are disappointing, so it's true. You know, I, I do get my, uh, my share of it. That's he, he's a special case in that, like, he's not just bad. But he is like shocked by how bad he is, and he's the only one. <laughs> so I just, I, it's one thing to be bad; it's another thing to like throw your hands on your hips and like exhale forcefully and like stare down outfielders and stuff. Where it's just like, you're not good. <laughs> oh yeah, you can't do that. That's yeah, you can't do that. That's like giving the old. Point at the pop up and it's a home run kind of deal or something. <laughs> the Phil Coke specialty. The Phil Coke. Yeah. Ah, uh, see, you have some experience with that. Yep. Mm. Phil Coke was the Yankee this year too. My God. <laughs> he came back. You're uh, getting all the guys back that you thought you were done with, right? You got a uh, what was that? Adam Warren came back to you guys and uh, Tyler Clipper. Oh yeah, him. Yeah. It's a reunion. Isn't there someone else? I feel, I feel uh, like there is, too. There was almost Nick Swisher. Oh, yeah, that's right. Nick Swisher was puttering around in AAA for a little while. Yeah. Ah, that's, quite a, that's quite a thing. Just get the band back together. Maybe those guys were on several different bands. I don't know. but I guess Swisher and Coke were both on the 09 team. Um, Clifford, they traded for Jonathan Alba Ledejo. I remember. That was not one of Cashman's better deals. No. <laughs> The Orioles are having a little get the band back together thing going on. They got Steve Pierce back from the Rays at the trade deadline. And yeah, they, uh, I was going to mention was Tommy Hunter after he got released by the Indians uh, just a week or so ago. Yeah, how has uh, Pierce been doing since he came, since he came back? Well, um, he's been okay at the plate, but I think they kind of signed him hoping that he could be like a better outfielder than Mark Trumbo. Which when you when you need to have Steve Pierce be your outfield upgrade, you're you know, just just to give you a flavor of how dire the situation was to begin with. But then it kind of turned out that he's been like nursing a forearm injury all through the season. And uh, he made like one outfield throw and aggravated it. And then he missed a few games. And then he hasn't really been playing the outfield much after that. So, um, you know, where was the Orioles physical when they really needed it is kind of well. what I would say about that. <laughs> I mean, the Rays were not dumb enough to try and put Steve Pierce in the outfield, so they didn't really have to deal with that. They were just playing with him in the infield. And, um, but you know, he's he's doing fine as far as his batting line. He's played in 17 games. He's uh, he's hit three homers. He's got an 8.54 OPS. So you know, yeah, what they needed was who could hit lefties, and he's he's at least doing that. But the outfield thing, it's not really happening. Yeah, I feel like it's how is like. Buck Walter been like managing all these positionless guys all year. Now he's got another one with Pierce because you know you got Trumbo there, you got um, Alvarez, and I guess Chris Davis can sometimes play right field too. But ha- has that been happening, or what? It, what is he? What is what has he done to make it work? 
Well, it's mostly just been he puts Trumbo in right and Alvarez at DH and then Davis at first base. Occasionally, he's done switched around a little bit. Like if Alvarez doesn't play um, because of he's because it's a lefty pitcher, then he'll have like Trumbo be the DH and then you know have like a real outfielder. Like before our Rule Five pick, Joey Rickard got hurt. He was kind of like the guy that would be the right fielder when it was a lefty pitcher kind of thing. And what? Oh, and then yeah. they have uh, Kim too. I forgot. They do have Hyunsu Kim out in left field, although he doesn't really play against lefties either. Okay, so he's been kind of like, kind of a platoon role there, and they kind of slide these different batters in as bits, I guess. Yeah, yeah, none of it's worked. The Orioles' outfield defense is pretty horrible. Um, they, well, yeah, Trumbo doesn't look very good out there most of the time, and the range at the corners is limited. And the Orioles seem to pursue a strategy where. They really have their corner outfielders kind of try and cut off the gaps in right and left center, mm-hmm. uh, which means they're they're all they're like continually exposed on balls in the corner. It's like their philosophy is well, if it goes in the corner, it's going to be a double anyway, so who cares? Um, I don't I I don't like it when I see the Orioles play teams that have like actual outfielders with range like. It's really annoying watching friggin' Kevin Pillar and Kevin Kiermeyer. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, just like run down everything, and then I go and I watch Mark Trumbo just like bumble a ball off the right field corner, which I can put up with because Mark Trumbo has hit 40 home runs. That'll but, help. <laughs> you know, it uh, when it happens, it's like, well, yeah, yeah, of course, this is the outcome when you put Mark Trumbo in the outfield for an entire season. You're gonna get some plays like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. And Adam Jones isn't really he gets a lot of I feel like he gets a lot of like the web gem plays in center, but he's not like an extraordinary center fielder. Is that right? I think that's fair to say. He's won like three gold gloves, but every time he's won, I'm just kinda like, how did that happen? Oh, he's actually won four, excuse me. I'm sorry, Adam Jones, for wow. selling you short. Um <laughs> He listens to this, so you know. You know, some of it was like kinda just by reputation, well, he's a good center fielder and Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't have just like overwhelming range, but he he looks good making average plays, I guess. And that's enough to get you a gold glove sometimes. But now, you know, you got the Jeter specialty, really. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, not not quite as much as the um, as as Jeter. But no, no, in, in yes. that vein, his was another level of overrated defense. Now he's been passed by who won it last year, Lorenzo Kane or whatever. And, you know, that guy's another one that just. It just runs down everything, and that's definitely not Jones. Is Jones healthy? Didn't I feel like during the last Yankees Orioles series, he had to be taken from a game? So. Yes, he is not healthy right now. In fact, he, he has not played since that series. Um, ah. He had a little hamstring tweak that he is now trying to rest to make sure it doesn't get worse. Which you know, don't want it to get worse. They are going to need him over the last month. Um, yes, they're going to do anything, but. Nonetheless, they have been without him for a few days. Has their offense slowed down at all, really? I mean, I know you did mention that they had like the frustrating series against the A's, but I mean, it's still, I don't know. It feels like I still see a lot of like of MLB.com highlights popping up. Like, oh, Trumbo hit another bomb. Chris Davis just sent one out. I think Weeders hit a big home run the other day too. But they're all they're also they all seem to be going. Is that? But they, but you said they've been slowing down a little bit. Well, they were really bad in July. They only scored 89 runs in the whole month of July. Mm. 
Uh, and they had they cram- I think they got like they got like six runs a game in June and then they got like three and a half runs a game in July. Uh, they were at about four runs a game for August, I believe. So, you know, that's uh, you could get by with four runs a game if you have a decent starting rotation, which the Orioles do not. Decided. And really, their one guy who's been a good starting pitcher all season Chris Tillman is currently on the disabled list with uh, shoulder bursitis. Mm-hmm. And it looks like he is probably at least a week away from returning. So to the now, you know, they're trying to do this charge down the stretch. And they don't even have him. So it's like, well, what do you who are you relying on here? You've got maybe Dylan Bundy is kind of running out of gas as they made him a starter after the all star break. But he's thrown. I believe 65 combined innings over the last three minor league seasons between uh, recovering from Tommy John surgery and then having a shoulder calcification thing last year that Dr. James Andrews said he had like never seen before in a pitcher. Always good. Company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even Dr. James Andrews is like, yeah, man, this is uh, this is pretty weird right here. <laughs> you know, you know, you've you've come up with something weird. It's yeah, it's a little bit dire. I feel like, but. It is a little bit dire. That is absolutely true to say. But that offense is still one that I look at the lineup and I'm thinking and I'm wondering, like, how are Chad Green, CeCe Sabathia and Michael Pineda going to survive against that? You know, I feel like CeCe kind of has like the crafty veteran stuff that he might be able to get by a little bit. But at the same time, it's he's still pitching in Camden Yards. And that's I don't know. I, Manny Machado frightens me a lot. <laughs> Yeah, when when they're hitting home runs, uh, they're they're very successful. I guess that's true of every team, but the Orioles having the most home runs in all of baseball is especially true for them. Uh, Pedro Alvarez is at 19 home runs. When he hits one more home run, the Orioles will have six guys with 20 plus, Good Lord. and they have three guys with 30 plus home yes. runs. So, you know that that's that's your home run power right there. Pretty much anybody in the lineup has some has some pop. Uh, the problem is when they're not hitting home runs, it can be bad. Uh, the Blue Jays series I mentioned that just concluded, they even won one of the three games, but they went 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position across the whole series. Even the game they won, they they had two two-run home runs with a guy on first base, and they did not get a hit with runners in scoring position uh, in the whole game. Well, I guess at least those runs came across anyway. <laughs> Yes, but yes, there was that. Does that mean that there's there have been some cries of the, the too many damn homers crowd coming out? Or um, no, we don't really get that so much. What you get, not so much the too many homers, but you get these like crotchety old people that are just like, oh, this team strikes out too much because they just like remember baseball back in the '70s when there were like no pitchers capable of getting strikeouts really because. Probably nobody threw the ball especially hard or mm-hmm. with particularly good breaking pitches compared to modern, uh, you know, the modern baseball game. So, you know, you just get all these people that their understanding of baseball has not really evolved from that. Or if they're younger and that's like the understanding of baseball, they like uh, inherited from their parents and they've just never really evolved with the fact that we're now in the 21st century of baseball and it's not like that anymore. Uh yeah. It's it's true that they strike out a lot, and sometimes that's really frustrating to watch. Earlier in the season, the Orioles had a three-game series in Houston where they set the record for number of strikeouts in a three-game series that had ever been set, you know, ever been done in all of Major League Baseball. I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head. I want to say 
it was 50. It, w- it was some stupid number, like 58 <laughs> over three games. Like it was absurd. It was really horrible. Were there at least an extra inning game or two mixed in? There? Uh, I think there might have been. We yeah, they, to... they went 13 innings on one of these games. So that was it. Yeah, we used to get that a lot with uh, when Curtis Granderson was a Yankee, especially. There would be the people who would be like, oh, well, you know, he hits 40 homers, but he's got all those strikeouts. So what's the point? And it's just like, you know, yes, the strikeouts can sometimes be annoying, but when you got dudes that can hit 30 to 40 homers, then you take that. Right. Like Chris Davis has struck out 181 times, which is crazy. Yeah, but, that's, uh, uh, he has 32 homers. Season, and it's September right, 1st. And, and Mark Trumbo is at 144 strikeouts. But again, he has 40 homers. So, yeah, you know, it's a lot of strikeouts. But then yeah. then there's the homers. And as I try and look at it, when they're striking out, they're not grounding into a double play. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> I feel like Jonathan Scope has been kind of like an under-the-radar really good guy, too, on this team. Yeah, I like Jonathan Scope. He's... Um, you know, he's not like one of the best hitters in the league, but he definitely has power. He's one of the guys over 20 homers. He has 21. Um, you know, he doesn't have a really great on-base percentage. Uh, one of the Keith Law running jokes is it's like worth sounding an alarm every time Jonathan Scope draws a walk. And he only has 18 for the season, which, of course, is not a lot for a guy with 530 plate appearances. But, you know, he's he's better than you would think for a second baseman. He doesn't have, like, super speed to get range, but... He's very good at like turning double plays, and he he does very well with the balls he gets to. And kind of underrated also is that he's he's built kind of like a linebacker out there. So there's really no takeout sliding of Jonathan Scope um, because you you really don't want to slide into Jonathan Scope because he's a big boy. He's he's, uh, he's bigger than you are, and in fact you definitely don't want to slide head first into second base because you're going to get slapped in the face with the glove as he's trying to tag you and. Uh, Again, like you said, Jonathan Scope is a big boy. <laughs> yeah. I can't, now, now I'm envisioning like Aaron Judge somehow at second base, and that, that thought is just amusing to me. That, that would be <laughs> one guy who's bigger than Scope. Yes. But also, I feel like there are very, very few guys bigger than Aaron Judge in baseball. <laughs> but that's him. The Yankees don't really have a whole lot of exciting prospects to call up. But... um guess we were wondering if the Orioles plan to call up anyone fun. No, the Orioles do not have anyone fun to call up. Uh, they they really don't have many prospects at all. It's uh, it's kind of a bad farm situation, especially the upper minors. There's just there's not not much of anybody there. Uh, the guys they're calling up, it's like Caleb Joseph is coming back up. And for Yankee fans who don't know, Caleb Joseph's 2016 quest is to have a no RBI season. Of course, he's not doing it on purpose, <laughs> but uh, he and, you know, he's just the backup catcher. So whatever. But he played in 40 games. He's had 121 plate appearances, zero RBI. Uh, <laughs> as, as we all know, I'm, I'm trusting if you're listening to this podcast, you know, RBIs don't matter. You know, if you have a lot of RBIs, it doesn't matter. If you have fewer RBIs, it doesn't mean you're worse than the guy with a lot of RBIs. But having zero when you've batted 121 times is is something remarkable. It is. It is. <laughs> um, He's just true saver. Kinda, yeah, they're they're also kind of calling up a couple like guys that are going to be spot starter, long relief type guys like Tyler Wilson and Jason Aquino. Whatever you know, if if they need those guys, which they've had times where they've been desperate for like. There's been more than one five-game stretch this season where basically every day they optioned somebody and called up a new fresh guy 
to maybe be like a three inning long reliever if the starter got blown out of the game in the third inning. There's there's been like two separate times where they've gone like four games in a row where they did this. Um, but I, I mean, at this point, it's September. If they have another one of those four game stretches and they're like losing every one of four games because their starter gets blown out by the fourth inning. You know, that that's the you know, the postseason is uh, hopes are over by that point if they have another one of these things. So right. it, in that sense, at this point, it doesn't matter. Are you still feeling like pretty good about that bullpen? I mean, obviously, I, we'll give you an opportunity to like expound on how glorious Zach Britton has been, <laughs> and uh, Brad Brock has been pretty good too. But outside of them, is it kind of iffy right now, or where is it? Well, Brock unfortunately has not been as good after the All Star break as he was before it. And of course, again, going back to Keith Law, even I have internalized he's like the whipping boy of Cam Chat. He was like the most snotty about Brad Brock, not even a closer making the All Star team. Like. Just, mm-hmm. dude, who cares, man? He's on the team. Get over it. And because, <laughs> again, Brock, before the All-Star break, um, Brock had a 0.91 ERA. I mean, that's, that's like, that's really good. Yeah, you, know? you, could, you could put that in the All-Star game. He but... was he was really doing well. But uh, since the All-Star break, he now has uh, given up eight earned runs in 17 and a third innings, which is a 4.15 ERA, which has raised his season ERA to a still pretty good Though less uh, less ridiculous, one point seven six. I see. So I think he's kind of maybe getting tired a little bit, and uh, Showalter is maybe trying to use him a little bit less. I guess I could see why why he would have been used so much, just because there haven't been a lot of other reliable options to kind of bridge the gap to Britain, especially when the starting pitching isn't really giving them distance. And Darren O'Day has been on. He's been on the DL, right? Yeah, Darren O'Day has been on and off the DL. This is his second trip, and he's uh, he's. I don't I don't know when he's going to be back either. He hadn't been as great as he was in the past, um, even when he was not on the DL. So, you know, that was kind of a. They really needed to rely on Brock in his absence, and the, you know the first O'Day absence, Brock was lights out, and that was another part of why mm-hmm. the Orioles were doing so well. But they haven't uh, haven't had as much solid since then. See, there's someone named Donnie Hart with a zero ERA in 10 games. Is that like a lightning in a bottle thing that they're trying to find? Or I don't know. He's their new lefty, and he's been used as okay. a little bit more than just a lefty one-out guy. So he's just like, like the Orioles just kind of seem to collect these relievers with like funky arm slots. And Donnie Hart is another one. He's got he's doing like a three-quarters arm slot sweeping, you know, thing as a lefty, and it's made him really good against lefties. I don't know if that's going to be like a two good months thing and then he's uh he's well of course he's not going to be zero era good even if they have him next year but you know can he be a solid reliever if he suddenly worked his way into the bullpen picture for the rest of this year and next year or is it just kind of a fluke i don't really know the answer about him yeah it's more just like this is an interesting thing that's happening and kind of monitor as as it goes yeah he's a neat story like anytime you get a guy uh he was a 27th round pick jeez so you know, anytime you get a guy make it from that deep in the draft, it's, you know, it's a cool story. It's like, hey, man, that's really cool that he made it from the 27th round. And, uh, you know, now he's in the big leagues. Yeah, the um, the, the Yankees have this guy, Ben Heller, who they got in that uh, the Andrew Miller deal. He was a 22nd round pick by the Indians. And now he's and he was pretty well thought of as a relief prospect when they acquired him. So it's been kind of cool to see that develop a little bit, too. The Yankees will sometimes get those guys, too. So Kevin Gaussman, would you say he's like probably the most reliable starter right now? 
Well, yeah, since Tillman's on the DL, the best of the bunch is probably Gossman, although he is lamentably inconsistent uh, mm-hmm. at times. I, I mean, people will kind of hope for more from him at this point. You know, he was the fourth overall pick in 2012, and, you know, there was this whole thing, well, why do the Orioles keep jerking him from the majors to the minors or from the bullpen Bull to the rotation? Yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of they were screwing around with him a lot, and, you know, you get the people crying, oh, the Orioles are ruining Kevin Gossman, which I don't think they've been utilizing him the best. Um, yeah, I think people were kind of maybe hoping he would be in the sort of in the Cy Young fringe contention by this point in his career, which is just not the case. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, you know, he's got a 373 ERA uh, in 24 starts this season, which is not great, but you know, if the Orioles had every one of their starting pitchers had a 3.73 ERA, they would be running away with oh, the American completely, East. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, in, in that sense, it's not so bad. And I would I would like to see more Orioles starters pitching like that. So looking at you, Ubaldo. Yeah, Ubaldo, Giovanni Gallardo. Earlier in the year, they were screwing around with Tyler Rice, uh, Tyler Rice and Tyler Wilson and Mike Wright. They may as well merge into one crappy pitcher, <laughs> although their arsenals are very different. But uh they were they were both they were all all over five in more than uh, twelve starts apiece. So again, that's that's why the Orioles' rotation is where it is. Yes, and then they then they got Wade Miley, and he hasn't been doing much better either. Oh, man, I like I wasn't too upset about that trade because they just didn't give up much. They didn't right, even really yeah. trade a prospect. They traded like an older Cuban signee guy, Ariel Miranda. Um, who was also a left-handed pitcher that maybe they could have just called up Ariel Miranda and had him start instead. But then they were like, oh, no, we really want to get a lefty starting pitcher. We really need one because they didn't have one in the rotation this year uh, after Wei and Chen departed huh, in free right. agency. So that, so the, the trade for Wade Miley was kind of like, well, you know, we wanted to get a lefty in the starting rotation. And it's like, OK, that's fine. But what they traded for a guy with a five ERA and they play had tw- they had plenty of that in the starting rotation already. So in that <laughs> regard, Wade Miley was not filling any hole uh, that was not already filled. Well, it does seem like he is probably due for a good game. So probably that will happen against the Yankees. <laughs> yeah, he's you know, he's better than he has been early in his Orioles tenure. And I, I think by the end of his Orioles tenure, you know, he'll probably be like a four or five ERA guy, which is underwhelming. But again, it's better than. Ubaldo Jimenez, 6.46. Giovanni Gallardo, 5.62. And on and on, you know. Is Miley so under can, contract for next year, too, or is he a free agent? Miley is under contract for next year, I think, for $9 million, And then there's a 2018 option if they want. Yeah, he's about $9 million next year. So the other thing about that is, as long as he's, like, remotely acceptable, having him will probably keep them from signing the next Giovanni Gallardo and giving up a draft pick on this free agent market. Whew, this free agent market for starting pitchers is not not a good time. <laughs> no. So, you know, in that sense, if Rich if Hill. having Wade Miley keeps them from, like, blowing a draft pick to sign, like, Jeremy Hellickson, mm. that's probably a win. Probably. Probably. <laughs> or signing Rich Hill or something like that. But yeah, Mr. Uh, Mr. Blister Hill out there in Los Angeles. <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed that he's, like, made just one start in, like, a month because of this blister that keeps popping up. It's like the blister. I mean, easy for me to say. I, uh, I I threw about three games in little league when I was like, whatever the the first age you throw is, and uh, so you know I don't know what it's like pitching with a blister or whatever, but you know whenever you hear about something like that, and it's just like this guy's 
you know, he's a professional baseball player, and he's made one start in a month because of a blister. It's just kind of it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand why like you can't really pitch if you have it, but it's just kind of crazy that he keeps popping up. I don't know, but whatever. That's the Dodgers' problem. It is. It is absolutely the Dodgers' problem. I'm glad it was not the Orioles' problem. They're another team that kind of is a bit of a starting rotation mess. <laughs> but yeah, and despite that, they are in first place uh, by what is this? One and a half games out there. Yeah, yeah. Baseball. Giants' uh, even year thing is not not coming true as much in 2016. As no, the they past. really they've really faded in the past couple months. I think so. That hasn't helped. But Yankees don't really have great starting rotation starting pitching either outside of Tanaka so it's it's been an adventure I mean that's how like at least, at least you've got Tanaka yes Tanaka is a nice little security blanket to have although Jonathan Scope always seems to homer against him so <laughs> but he's not pitching I, I remember that I remember that I like that about Jonathan Scope yes so I, I see I Tanaka's not coming up in this series anyway so you don't have to worry about that I suppose yes yes What's what are your what's your feeling about Book Showalter at this point? I know the last so the last time we had podcasted, we kind of got like your pulse of what you thought a little bit about how Buck was doing, and um, if you are is is Buck mania still as wild as ever in Baltimore? Or is it kind of just like the norm? I guess. Um, I don't know if you would say it's as wild as ever. I I think people were happier like 2014 when the Orioles were on their way to a 96 win season or whatever, but. Uh, me personally, I am not. I do. I'm probably not going to ever really have anything bad to say about Showalter because just he is so closely identified with turning the franchise around. To me, like, I, I mean, th- that is just worth so much to me that I can't. I can't get too worked up about you know if, uh, well, he doesn't pull this reliever at the exact right time, or you know he lets the starter pitch to one too many batters, or whatever. And it, the fact is usually he has a good reason for whatever he's doing uh, as far as, you know, using his pitchers that he doesn't really talk about. But, you know, he, he works very hard to make sure he doesn't overuse his pitchers. Yeah, that, that's and always a good quality. So, so usually if there is like one game's worth of bad relief, you know, what seems to the fan to be bad relief decisions is probably because like he, he's just really giving, you know, whatever pitcher you wanted to see pitching a break because he needs a break. And, you know, that means the pitcher will be better the next time. Yeah, Joe Girardi's always been pretty good about that, too. Even though, like, some people will get really frustrated. He has done, like, such a better job of managing the bullpen than, you know, Joe Torre destroying Scott Proctor, Paul Quantrill, Tom Gordon's arms. <laughs> so, that's that, that's definitely a good quality to have in a manager. So Yeah, he's, he's really great, and he always just says, like, the right things as far as just like to make Orioles fans just love him because he's you know people when he, when he first got here and I remember this is why people started liking him in the first place so people would always be like asking him questions you know well how do you feel about being here and he'd always be like well it's not about me it's about the Baltimore Orioles and people just like ate that shit up and he still does that and people still eat it up I'm sorry I just said shit I hope that's not a not against your podcast it is not <laughs> okay um but yeah, you know, he's he's uh, I, I, I enjoy Buck and I will, I think I will always enjoy Buck. Yeah, and I can definitely understand that. Although <laughs> I am amused that, like, I think Baltimore is the only place I've seen where you will walk around and see people with the manager's jersey. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen anyone wearing like a Joe Girardi jersey or even like Joe Torre. But I've seen. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the all Walter kinds of ones. Walter yeah. shirts, man. There's these ones that's like um, 
It's got like, you know, the Duck Dynasty dudes with the beards and it's got like the silhouettes, of the dudes with the beards and then like Buck Space and it says Buck Dynasty. <laughs> oh, my God. That's and, you know, people with a little bit more crude, you'll see people and, you you know, if you're at any of the games this weekend, you might see people walking around with like Buck the Yankees shirts and this, you know, that kind of stuff. He, he definitely gets uh, gets his share of uh, unlicensed T-shirt uh, created in his honor. Yeah, I will. I will be at the game on sunday weather permitting so um but the last time i was in baltimore i it was like the buck show walter garden gnome night or something like oh that. yeah that was a popular very popular giveaway <laughs> yeah so we had a manny machado gnome this year that i think might have been even more popular than the show walter one uh justifiably so manny machado is a bit of a ridiculous baseball player so <laughs> Yeah, there's another guy I don't have anything bad uh, to say about him. Oh my god, he's so good. And he's only, he's still really, really young, if I recall right. He's like yeah. 20, yeah, he is, uh, 24 something? He is 24 years old. He turned that on July the 6th. So this is his age 23 season, according to the technicalities of <laughs> baseball uh, age rules. He has 32 homers. And plays yeah, he just every- got his hundredth <laughs> career home run uh, just on nice. Tuesday. And he and he he was uh, I remember he was filling in at shortstop for Hardy for a while too. And even though like he hasn't really been a shortstop since he was a prospect, he didn't miss a beat really. <laughs> yeah, for a while there, it was just like, hey, how about we just give him the Gold Glove at third base and shortstop? Um, <laughs> yeah, just like merge it. <laughs> he he didn't end up playing shortstop enough to really get serious about that, but he looked very good at shortstop. Um, I suspect if he went back to shortstop, he would still look very good. Do you think that that's what they might do whenever like Hardy's contract expires, or will it just? Well, kind of... here's the thing about that: Hardy is currently only signed for one year fewer than Manny Machado, which is kind of the topic of dread among Orioles fans that nobody yes. really wants to think about. But so Machado, of course, is part of this great uh, post 2018 free agent class that the right, right. baseball uh, that you know writers are kind of already starting to hype up so hardy is signed through next year so even if hardy you know goes on uh, elsewhere after that you're talking okay Machado moves back to shortstop for one year before he's a free agent if they don't sign him to ex- extension mm. so i i mean i don't know what's going to happen there i certainly hope that orioles just pay him whatever because i won't be able to handle you know, Machado anywhere that's not here, especially like Boston or something, man. I just, or I, I really wouldn't be able to handle it. Or the Yankees either. Yes. You, you can, you can hate the Yankees. We, we you know, you can, you know, you're, you know, the Yankees are going to like clear up all your dead money and, you know, your tech shares and A-Rods will be gone. And then you're going to like get Bryce Harper and Manny Machado and what have you in the same off season or something. If Hal Steinbrenner decides that he doesn't want like a fifth yacht or something like that, we are, we are very unsure if they will actually spend money. They might, but <laughs> I feel like we're never sure now anymore. I don't know. It's weird. So, yeah, um, I, I don't know if he will end up being a long-term shortstop in Baltimore for that reason, because by the time he would become shortstop, unless his contract is extended, he's not, not going to be long-term in Baltimore after all. Yeah, that's fair. All right, so while we have you here, we were go- I thought it would be good to talk about just the playoff picture in general right now, because that's probably what we'd be talking about on the podcast anyway, even if the Yankees weren't about to play the Orioles. So as we, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, you know, we got all in this wild card mix with Boston, Baltimore, Detroit, Houston, the Yankees, the Royals, and a little bit the Mariners. So 
how do you sort of see this all shaking up? Do you think is there, are there any teams that you think seem like they are in a better position to move into those two spots than the others? Well, Andrew, just on Wednesday on Camden Chat, I wrote an article where I was trying to figure out how many wins the Orioles are going to need to make the playoffs. And uh, at that time, I was basing on looking on the kind of Fangraph's uh, rest of seasons predictions, Mm -hmm. which they seem to think 88 wins would be enough to get the second wild card. So the Orioles got to go 16 and 13 if 88 wins is really the magic number. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's going to prove to be the case. But all these, I mean, do any of these other teams, like, again, and just as, this was, um, this is just to get by 88 wins. The other teams that are involved, you're talking the Tigers would have to go 18 and 12, or the Astros would have to go 19 and 11 to beat the, to beat 88 wins and get to 89. You know, you guys would have to go 21 and 10. Oh, these numbers are one day off. So whatever happened in Wednesday's games affects these, but that was yeah. true as of Wednesday afternoon. And then, uh. The Royals were needing to go 20 and 10, or the Mariners going 21 and 9. So all of those things, you know, those are some pretty good records over the last uh, 30 games there. So I don't, I don't think any one of those uh, teams is likely to do that because that's asking a lot to play basically, you know, 666 baseball it over is. the last month. But you know, that's like six teams that could possibly play 666 baseball, and I think there's much better chances. One of those teams, I don't know which one, is probably going to play better than that number, the number that was needed for them to make that. Mm, and like, I'm not super confident the Orioles are going to play well enough to get to 88 wins anyway. So it might not, you know, it might be not for them anyway. Yeah, it's a little bit dicey right now, but I, I mean, I mean, if it's any, if it's any comfort, I'm not really wowed by any of the other teams that are in there. I mean, I know we alluded to Kansas City kind of having a cushy schedule down the stretch and. They're, the Royals are going to Royal, so they might very well pull into that spot. But they're three games out right now, so they have to jump over a bunch of teams anyway. So I don't know. It's it's really hard to say. If you and it feel, still feels like the Astros could could end up in that spot too, because they're only a game out and they have some mashers in their lineup, and maybe their pitching can come together a little bit. So either way, I don't really see any of these wildcard teams getting beyond the the first round of the playoffs but i guess weirder things have happened in this game yeah they have so like the thing about the tigers and the astros both of those guys have won eight of their last 10 games yeah which you know that that's great for them but you're not going to keep winning eight games out of 10 for the rest of the remainder of the season or or if they do i mean more power to them but that's not something anybody's going to expect so they're probably due to cool off a little bit and then it's just like well you know Who's, who's going to have the hot month? And, mm-hmm. you know, the Orioles have the best position in that if they win more games than these other teams, they're just, they're in. And that's that. They don't have to hope other teams are losing on top of them winning. But, uh, you know, I, I really don't know um, how they're going to manage to pull it off with if their offense doesn't kind of get itself back into gear. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's going to be asking a little bit too much to hope that the Red Sox fall out of this entirely. Because <laughs> they're uh, they already have a two game advantage in that wild card anyway. They do. I can hope for that. And I mean, you know, both you guys and the Orioles are going to be playing some games against the Red Sox, so you know, yeah, there's a chance there to take some games out of them directly. But you know, I, I don't know that the Red Sox will be bad enough, and the Orioles and Yankees will be good enough to really put a serious dent in their uh, their cushion presently. And of course, now they're calling up Yo and Mankata like jerks. <laughs> And Yohan Mankata to call up. Mm-hmm. And Yohan Mankata is uh, 
bad memories around Yankee land since uh, they really botched those negotiations and could have very well ended up with Yohan Moncada. But instead, he went to Boston. Yeah, I don't have quite the same feeling because the Orioles are never going to sign a guy like Yoan Mankata, Yoan, whatever, however we say that dude's name. But yeah. um, they are never going to spend that much money on one amateur free agent guy. So that doesn't matter to me, but it's still annoying because I don't like the Red Sox and screw those guys. <laughs> I feel like we are definitely on the same page there. So <laughs> it doesn't help that they, you know, they, they have enough young talent there anyway. Would, you know, like, like seriously, yeah. man, that's ridiculous. Like they, they lost just ben go and... ahead and stink for a couple years, and then they they draft like the you know Ben Intendi, who's like the the pop up college bat guy, who usually that guy goes on and sucks after somebody goes on and drafts him like too high, mm-hmm. and now he's already in the big leagues, although now he's hurt, and it's like oh, you not, know, not so whatever, beat, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, they won the World Series in 2013 or whatever, and then they stink, and then they get Ben Intendi the next year. It's like man, <laughs> what is this crap? Come on. And they have Bogerts and Betts and Jackie Bradley. Yeah, Betts and, was a fifth yeah. round pick, man. Yeah. And he just he just owns the games. It's not. It's, ugh. We're talking about the Red Sox too much. <laughs> I just don't want to see them in the playoffs at all. So if if either one of these the Yankees or the Orioles can knock them out, that'd be that'd be perfect <laughs> yeah i don't think that wish is going to come true but uh it would be nice <laughs> if not. somehow they had a uh 2011 like implosion oh, yeah. and somebody makes another version of that video with the wake me up when september ends uh <laughs> yes. going on that would be okay with me but uh, as it is i feel like i'm going to be the one playing wake me up when september ends <laughs> get like a we need some sort of Robert Andino renaissance to like take the Red Sox out. That'd be. We do. We do need the return of the curse of the Andino. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that was that was one of my favorite nights of baseball. Even though like the Yankees were active participants in like I mean the game did for them didn't even matter. So that that made it fun anyway. But a, a fun trivia fact about that is uh Dylan Batances started the game against the Rays. Ah, oh, that is funny. Yeah. That was a great night of baseball, and honestly, I will you will never convince me that the last game of 2011 was not like a prologue to the Orioles' 2012 season. Like, well, even I, though there were just so many different players involved, it was just like it was some kind of like karmic connection. Like, like if that didn't happen on the last game of 2011, you wouldn't have had the 2012 wildcard Orioles. I I will believe that to my dying day. Hey, it's certainly possible. I do remember um, at one point when I was living in Baltimore, they had a they had like this program on Masson that was talking about the 2012 Orioles. And like, that was like the lead in They're Like, this is what inspired them or something. I'm like, sure. I guess. Yeah. They made a DVD out of the 2012 season, which I actually thought was kind of lame. Cause it's like, you know, if you didn't win the world series, man, don't make a video, but it was just like, they were so swept up in, Oh my God, this is the first good Orioles team in 14 years, which was true. Mm-hmm. You know, there hadn't been a good Orioles team from 1997 until 2012, so that's a long time. Need some programming, you know. <laughs> well, I think that's probably about all I can come up with right now. Could, do you have any anything else to add, Tanya? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast, Mark. Appreciate the uh, O's insight as well as the rest of the American League. Thank so. you, folks, for having me on. I have been delinquent about my own podcast. Honestly, you're reminding me I really need to do some more talking about the Orioles, but it was nice to come on yours and uh, talk about some O's. Sure. You can feel free to 
let the good folks of Camden chat know about this podcast too. If they feel like deigning to come to the Yankee side at all. <laughs> I'll absolutely tweet yeah. at me tomorrow. I will, uh, I will send you out a retweet and people can listen if they want. Excellent. All right. Well, you can, so you can follow us at pinstripe alley at Tanya Bondurant at Mern's PSA. You can follow Mark at a uh, Camden chat and eat more SK E SK spelled E S S K A Y. Is that right? Yeah, that's mostly just my nerd tweets. But if you yeah. want to, you want to see Camden Chat's baseball takes, you can uh, go to at Camden Chat on Twitter, and you will get our, uh, you will get our view on the baseball world. Excellent. All right. Well, so from Tanya, Mark, and myself, I guess uh, that's been the Pinsford Valley Podcast. Have a good night.